Spears and Steinberg. You know what the fuck it is. Aries and Andy, you and the jerk. You know it's time to get this work. The real raw, gutter, uncut cocaine. No political corrections. Always sleep. Fuck being awoke. We discuss politics and jokes. We lick. There's levels to this shit. Before you were sucking on your mama's tits. Airy Spears don't give a fuck. We talk about race a lot. Racism. Sexism. Much love to my loyal bitch bag holders. Rollers, clip loaders. We got them in the folders. The whole world on our shoulders. Spears and Steinberg. Yeah! Run up and get touched up. Suicide. <laughs> and all of y'all know my style. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. <laughs> we're uh, we're a little early for you guys. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. So Andy got me something for Christmas. You haven't even seen it yet. I haven't even seen it yet. I'm being spontaneous here. And I'm going to open it up So, uh, in front of Andy. I didn't wrap it. Gee, Tiny Tim. Gee, jeepers. I uh, didn't wrap it. You're not supposed to. You're a man. You're supposed to wrap a gift for a man. This is the funniest thing I saw, and I had to get it for you. Okay, so far it's dildo-shaped. Yeah. Uh, a lot of paper. A lot of paper. Uh, Jesus Christ, what is it, a joint, nigga? Yeah, it's a good joint. Watch it. You're getting there. You're getting there. Is it foil? <laughs> that was the protection for... Because for, it, it was... What the fuck is this? It's... Uh, uh, let me, before I look at it, let me guess my feel. Okay, yeah. <sighs> I'll never guess. Never guess. It feels like it's got legs. Yeah? Right. It's a Michael Jordan thing. Okay, let's see. Ah! <laughs> Mike Tyson. It was one of the mics. Look at that. Little uh, Tyson doll. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I figured now you could abuse it like whenever you feel like Tyson wronged you, you could just, you know, just put it down, face down. Yeah, I'm afraid it'll punch me back. <laughs> this is nice. Thank you. And for Christmas, of course, I give you me. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the greatest gift anyone could have. That's a negative gift. Uh, <laughs> Canada. Oh, Canada. You guys have asked, and it is here. I am I and Andy. Andy and I are coming to Canada. We got some Canadian dates. I have them. Oh, you have them? Yeah, I have them. I told just so it could be nice and easy and convenient. You put them on. I there. have my manager's assistant send me the Canadian dates. Do you know if you get laid in Canada, not only will you be going to Canada, but you'll be coming in Canada? I've already come in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, there ain't a place I ain't set foot that I ain't left some semen prints, nigga. Um, okay. April 11th, uh, at the River Cree Resort and Casino. 
Why are you laughing? The Tyson just looks so funny. <laughs> oh, like he's looking like, nigga, y'all better get this right. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I wish I really could have it where it's on the camera. Uh, River Creek Resort and Casino in Enoch. You ever heard of that? Enoch? Uh, no. Yeah, Enoch. I guess AB is Alberta. Yeah. Alber- Alberta. Am I saying it right? Alberta. Alberta, Alberta Canada. Uh, April 12th at the Gray. <laughs> that's funny. At the Gray Eagle Resort and Casino in Calgary and Alberta, Canada. April 15th at the Danforth Music Hall in Toronto, Ontario. Toronto, finally. Coach. Tears in a bathtub. We don't want to hear about how you can't make it out that weekend, Colch, either. You better swim your ass over. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, we're going to hook you up, leave some tickets, bro. Um, April 27th, to, to, uh, uh, April 27th at the Broward Center in Ottawa, Ontario. And then April 28th. At the El Olympia in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. We're coming. What do you think about those dates, Mike? I think it's going to be great. I, you know, <laughs> I, dude, there's a white guy uh, who does some kick-ass impressions. And he does Mike Tyson now. You know how Mike sounds now? Yeah. Older, a little more raspy. Man, he nails it. He fucking nails it. I gotta look this guy up so I can show him to you. Yeah, but I would think that you would be able to get that raspy part, that raspy part too. I don't know, man. Shit's tricky with me. You know, it just—who knows? Um, before we get to any of the meat and potatoes, uh, anything? So, anything you wanna? Well, no, you know, no. I'll, I'll save that for uh, when we get into the Christmas stuff. You can get talking about Christmas stuff. Do you want to talk about? Uh... No, because I know we're gonna talk about the Christmas movies. Yeah, so we might as well just, and I'm, I'm, you know, time wise, I want to make sure we fill that. So I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about that than I am okay. what we're going to talk about. Uh, so let's just get to it, folks. I love this. I hope you've been watching. If you haven't, it's not too late because the thing is, it's a three part episode on this documentary on HBO called Murder in Boston. Is it three or four? Because that's three. Saw- no, it's three. four things up there. No, it's three. Okay. You know why it's three? Because it's called, it's, it's uh, something roots rampage. Okay. And each part is one of the words yeah. in the title. Um, so, as a matter of fact, with your lookup skills, please, while you, I'm talking, look this up. Because I want to get this right. Anyway, uh, the first two episodes, it, it, it has been, it airs every Monday. And there's only one more Monday to go. Uh, we've seen the first two episodes. The final episode will be, this coming Monday. Um, and when you hear this, we will have spoken about the first two episodes and then uh, there'll be, a, there'll be a, a, a skip because the following Wednesday from this one, we're going to talk about Christmas shit and some Christmas movies we watched. And then following Monday after that is when we'll wrap it up with the third and final episode. Yes, it's called uh, Murder in Boston, Roots, Rampage, and Reckoning. And the third one doesn't come out till what, Monday, right? This Monday. Yeah, and, but I guess they have that fourth one that they're showing on HBO Max that is just the podcast, I guess. Yeah, but podcast. that's not yeah. an episode. Yeah. Um, folks, you got to watch this. I love this the way I loved Last Call about the uh, gay serial killer. Um, and if you don't know, 
this was this documentary it took place. It's, I think it was 1989. Um, a guy by the name of Charles Stewart called 911 and claimed that he had been carjacked and his wife's pregnant wife was murdered and he took a shot to the abdomen and he, of course, said it was a brother. Uh, and this was a big, big fucking case, a big deal. Uh, you know, and, and given the city of Boston, which is fully known for being one of the most racist cities in America. Admittedly known. Admittedly known at yeah. the time. Um, so, folks, you got to watch this. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, please, I, I implore you, watch this. It's fucking awesome. I can't wait to watch the third and final episode this Monday, and we wrap it up when we talk about that. But we're going to dive into the first two. Um, and it's interesting. When I watched, and I know I've mentioned this quite a, be- a few times, when I watched one of my favorite sports documentaries, Courtship of Rivals, the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson uh, doc. You know, of course, Bird being uh, a player in Boston, they brought up and actually even showed some of the same footage of what the... Uh, the mood and what the temperature was like in Boston at that time. Um, And one of the the, the two things they mentioned uh, is the famous photo of the one brother who looked like he was getting speared with the American flag. Um, And then they also talked about the busing, uh, where they integrated the school system and was busing black kids in from the black neighborhood, I guess Roxbury, into Southie in the North End. Uh, and, and shit was, shit was rough. Um, and as I was watching this, I just, you know, and, and this is a, this is a, this is a time old tale, but I was just going, God, imagine being the poor black man who was harassed, arrested, uh, for, for this and he didn't do it. You know, I, th- that to me, I, you know, when I hear these stories about guys who have, I remember DL Hewley just recently posted a thing about a guy who, a black guy who just got exonerated, served 30 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And I just, I I can't imagine having your freedom stripped away from you and losing a huge chunk of your young life for something you didn't do. Fucked up, man. Fucked up. You want me to add to that? Yeah, that's what the pause would be. Yeah, no, I know, but I, I, how? Do, what am I going to say to that? Yeah, it's fucked up. I, I can't think of it, you know, like you just said, but what could be worse? And then having to deal with what's happening to you in prison, knowing that you're not supposed to be there. Well, even if nothing is happening to you in prison, to still be in a situation where you don't deserve to be, it's just beyond fucked up. Prison has a way of reminding you that you shouldn't be there. Yeah, there's a, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, all I'm just saying, it's it's not like it's nothing's going to happen to you in prison. If if nothing else, even just the treatment that you're going to get from being a prisoner from the guards, the guards don't treat you like you're. A, 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 I'm not going to say they they beat you, but they probably. I, I, I'm going to get into a down a road that I don't need to go to. They're not treating you like you're the queen of the ball. Oh, maybe they are treating you like you're the queen of the ball. So uh, it, it, it that putting you into a place which you don't belong, that you're having your rights taken away and now being treated obviously like a second class, third class, fourth class, like you don't belong here kind of piece of shit. That's a big problem. And listen, obviously when you, because of the subject matter 
and in the in the real life circumstances, yes, this is a heavily based race conversation we're going to have. And yeah, and but to what you said about being wrongly accused, if you go in and no, I'm gonna save it for when it so it goes in the order of what you got because there's a very critical part of what you just said. And that's why I didn't want to get into it because I wanted to say that. And, 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 you know, uh, again, I have, let me apologize because to people that have been following this podcast from day one, yes, you're going to, you, you may hear me tread some of the same waters, uh, because of what is involved here, because, you know, no matter the circumstance, some of the details are always going to be the same because it's what we have, we as black people in America have been going through, you know, this, this, this is an old tale where black men have been accused of doing some heinous shit that we never did. You know, if you go all the way back to slavery when white women would sleep with black men in the 50s and 60s and then say they got raped when they didn't. And, and it's the reason why a lot of us ended up, you know, uh, well, the, at the core of it, obviously evil and hatred. But, you know, they look, give me a reason. Just give us a reason. And, 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 and to have... A lie be the reason that you are castrated, you are hung from a tree, you are shot, you are killed, you are put in jail. How can again, how can you not get angry as a black person? How can you not get angry? You know, as they're showing this footage, and again, this was some of the same footage they showed in the courtship of rival, rivals, and they're interviewing white Bostonians, and they're saying things. I remember they interviewed this one lady, and she was like, Something, something, and the bussing, all because of these niggas. And it's just, I've said this, this, this Jedi Yoda-like mind trick. Bullshit that white people, racist white people, have about interacting with black folks because of being frightful, being attacked, or having to go through some violent experience when historically white people have done the attacking. White people have been the cause of the brutality and the violence and the mayhem. But to be able to just with an honest face, look into a camera and go, <clears throat> it's them. They're the animals. They're the, they're the, they're the, they're the savages. They're, they're the unintelligent. But then the next word out of your mouth is with vitriol, niggas. How, like the balls on you. Like that, what that is a that I don't know if it's white privilege, if you want to call it that, but white arrogance, the ability to just do that, like, wow, you you want me to believe it's them when this is what you're saying? This is what you're doing? Um, this doesn't make it better, what I'm about to say. But they don't they didn't look at that as any different calling as a, a of looking at a, a jar of jelly beans and calling them jelly beans. With that kind of simplicity. Yeah. That's in, in their That's head. That's crazy. There is no, the, that is, there's just, that is just the identification. That's the identifier. That it doesn't mean anything to them. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not sure. No, I not totally get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But I'm just saying as a human being, yeah, that's, if you know you're doing wrong. That's where the humanity's lost. When you can demean someone and it feels like that's their name, that's mm. do you. That's that's what I'm trying to get through on that. Why you're saying it that way? You're you're demeaning someone, but you just feel like that it's it's indifferent. You you it it might as well be just their name. Yeah, I, you know, it, uh, and this is why when people say why I don't you why I I like I know understand your point and when it's funny 
it's funny because if it's funny because the irony of it is when when you can make it funny. That that's why I just can't do it off stage because it's never funny to me because that's how I see what they're doing. If that makes more sense to you, I'm always trying to figure out a way to make that make more sense to you. But when you but okay, but when you say you don't do it off stage, like even again, and and on on the podcast, which is a sh- essentially a show, yeah, and at times a more times and than not a comedic show, yeah. Is there is humanity getting in the way of yeah. you? Yeah, even though you know this is a show, yeah. Yeah, because I would never want to be, I would never want to conflate the idea that I'm trying to get across on the podcast, whether funny or not funny, uh, to be confused with that. I, and and, and yeah, listen, at the end of the day, if your stance is a Seinfeld stance where you go, I don't seek it, I'll respect it. And I do respect it. And you know I do. But just letting you know, and it's funny because Andy and I talked about it in the car. You know how many emails and people hit me up on Instagram saying, yo, when Andy hinted at that nigga named Jerome for Seinfeld, fucking died. Yeah. And, and, and these are black people saying this. So, I, again, I'm respecting how you feel, but I'm letting you know that because we all, and I'm, when I say we all, I mean people that listen to this podcast and watch it, they know it's a show. They know you're a comedian. So, again, if he, if if... From a humanity standpoint, if that's stopping you from doing that, I respect it. But just know, people know the difference. They do know the difference, but my humanity isn't going to allow me to do that. Because I have to, like I said, people that are important to me would never, ever do that. And when I did it on stage, the thing is, if you listen to my joke on stage, and for the two people that didn't listen to it that had a hard time with it, uh, which I enjoy when people have a hard time with it, uh, because I know that they're not listening. But when you... uh, it, it is making fun of what I just said. It's making fun of the people, like an 11-year-old. How How is an 11-year-old in 1976 uh, supposed to be able to understand? And this is why this is why I don't say it on the podcast. This will explain it really well. On the, In the joke, how is an 11-year-old supposed to understand when white people say it as it's like a, a, a name of a candy? Versus uh, how are they supposed to figure that out, that they're not supposed to say it? Because that's, that's what they said. Then they hear a black person saying it, they hear white people saying it, so it must be okay. That's the point of that joke. That's the point of it. And then you you realize the hypocrisy and the and, and the idiocy in it. That's why that's what that joke is funny to me because it is making fun of the whole thought process. On here, I don't ever want to get that confused, and that's all that that's all it is to me. But I, like again, when I saw that lady that you said says it, and, it's, and you know what, and when a woman says it, doesn't it even hit? I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm speaking only as a as a as someone who's interpreting language, not as a as a as a black person or as a white person or as anything. But when a woman goes that vulgar, isn't it even more aggressive and hateful? When a woman says it. When a woman says it. When a woman says it, I, I expect some more nurturing humanity out of a woman. And when a woman in well, Boston I, with her crooked teeth and her fucking face says it that way. Right. right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the vitriol yeah. in it comes out even stronger to well, me. I mean, you know, hell have no fury like a the woman scorned. Like when yeah. women do shit, there's a little extra emotion to it. And, you know, I, it's just, it, I mean, if you want to make a point. And here's the other point that you said that I'm, I'm going to get into. That. I want to get this out of the way because I don't want to get into an argument about it tonight. 
uh, and I don't think this will with me. No, no, with uh, with us in general oh. and how we we talk about it. Because you always like to go white people the most, and I'm saying over history, America, yes, yeah, I, I, and I and I say that. But here's the thing: where you said locked up black people, and pr- the thing is, and this is where I will give this, and I never said this on the podcast, and I know this, and I just never said it. I never had the opportunity to say it in this kind of space. There is a difference when we could say that white people get. Uh, uh, go to prison too wrongfully because of either people lying or what. But generally, this is a general, I'm going to generalize. Black people fit, like uh, when they said this, and this, I love this in the documentary, we all fit the description. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, go ahead. So that that's the difference. A white person has to be convicted over with due process. It almost seems like we don't need due process in certain instances. And that's where this this comes into play. Uh, because of what's rooted and steeped in the racism in in our society. So let's let's get the into brilliance that. of Dave Chappelle when he did the joke and he goes, and the police calling all cars, calling all cars, be on the lookout for a black man between four six and six eight. Yeah. Like that covers all black people. So when you brought that up, and I remember when the guy said that, it reminded me of Dave's joke, where it was just like, we all fit the description. Um, well, and, and just just since you went on Dave a little bit, let, let me suck his dick for a second then too. Well, I'm not <laughs> doing that. But <laughs> no, but it's the genius of it. Right. I love when he says that thing. The police come over. I'm worried because they're going to come in my house. It's nice. It's not too nice, but uh, right. It's nice, and then they would believe. Yeah, yeah. But it's too nice for me. Right. Yeah, yeah. So and apparently this nigga broke in and hung up pictures of his family exactly. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's and that's that's right. that joke in capital. Yeah. That that those pieces of that joke is this podcast it is what this uh story is about right and it really is yeah you know I, i'm watching this and i'm just going the irony in this whole documentary is not just white violence towards black people but a lie that has always historically been told which leads to black people undergoing violence off of a lie without due process do you know if you stop and think for a second how many things if they would have used what we can call what's due process here someone was accused we're going to handle it in a legal way that's not how this was taking place back then and this is 1989 even yeah so we're not talking about we're not talking about uh civil war not uh, not so uh civil rights era we're talking about a few a few i mean in the history of the world reagan yeah we're talking just a we're talking a few years ago. Right. I mean, in the history of of, of the world, we're right. talking. It's not that long ago, right? Um, and 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 you know, again, I it, when you watch this in you know episode one, episode two, the way it breaks down, the very first episode really is about the giving you the the history of Boston and where this all stems from. So, if it sounds like I am going on an angry black man rant, it is because. I wrote this, I wrote my notes based on what I'm looking at as it unfolds. But, you know, so so a lot of these raw emotions that I feel is because I'm watching as it's breaking down from point to point, this ludicrous shit. And, and, and yeah, I'm I'm in my feelings, man. Um, And I, and I wrote, you know, while I always will say there are truths to stereotypes, again, historically, every negative adjective or verb that has been used to describe black people wild animals violent unintelligent when you look at the proof in the pudding that's white people uh, racist white people 
look at the scene in Malcolm X when Brother Baines and had Malcolm look up words in the dictionary that were used to describe us, but yet it was the opposite in regards to what the actions were. Remember that scene? And he's like, you know, black man, foul, evil, dark, something with intent. And, you know, he goes, now let's look up the word white, pure, innocent, such and such and such and such. And Malcolm was like, that's, that's not true. That's them. That ain't us. So I, I, I just, to, to my white brethren, brothers and sisters, you know I have love for y'all. But, man, I, I wish sometimes y'all could step inside black skin. Because I notice some white people, they hear this, and immediately they feel threatened and go, oh, he don't like white people. I wish you guys could step inside our skin to know. And even though in 1986, shit, I was 11. So, I, yeah, I didn't experience it. But again, it, it's my people. It's my plight. It's my story. And I can only imagine having been some of those poor black people in Roxbury and in the Boston ghettos where the police came and fucking in the middle of the night terrorized you, pulled you over for no reason. Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, stop and frisk or whatever it was. Yeah, stop and frisk. And just, you know, fucked with you. And, and came in your house and bust down your door and destroyed your fucking home. And, and, and I'm just going, God damn, I know I never experienced it, but I'm going, if I did, how angry would you be that you, you, you couldn't do nothing about it? And on top of that, you're not guilty of anything. And, and you said one thing, though, that I want to get out of the way. And then I want to get into this because we're given a lot of we're, we're, we're a lot of description here and how our feelings are. You did say, though, you said for no reason. But there was a reason. There's always been the reason. Because a white person said this happened. And you, it, it's almost, and I, I'm going to, it's almost like you had to believe the white person. But if a black person said this happened, there was no, we have to take care of this right away. And, and, and in, in, in this, you're going to hear about that too. Uh, there was no, we need to, we need to handle this. This is a, this is a horrible act that happened. We must take care of it. A black person was attacked by a white person. We know it because a black person said that. Show me well, in they, history well, where they, that's well, ever they been even, said. They even said a couple of black people in the neighbors like niggas get killed here every day, and the cops don't show up like this. But because it was a white woman and a white man, it, it, it looked like motherfucking Beirut out here. As long as it's a white guy killing a white guy, or and even and less than, I mean, there's still there's still more issues when it's a white dude killing a white dude. But if white is killing white and black is killing black, there's no rush to judgment to to take care of this. It, it, now it's even a slowdown, and we'll see if we get to it. Well, they said okay, I'm but I'm going to say more so in the black community than in the white community. They want to find out what happened to the white community. Well, they pointed out. And, and remember, this is also during the Reagan era and, and crack, cocaine. And they pointed out, you know, one of the biggest concerns with white folks was, well, you know, as long as the niggas kill each other in their neighborhood, we're good. But because of this crack epidemic, epidemic now they, the biggest fear is they'll start killing us. We don't want the violence in our neighborhood. And the fact that some nigga killed a pregnant white woman and shot a white man, now because of crack cocaine... It's, it's starting to come this way. So now there's a problem. And if you really look at the root of that, and that's a, that's a whole nother deeper conversation, but it's, again, the audacity to go, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're because of crack cocaine and the drug game and them, and this is associated with black folks. This is, this is what makes them animals. Well, again, who's bringing the drugs in? Not us. 
Those drugs are purposely brought into the black community for the mayhem. Now, you know, you have to take accountability and responsibility for the fact that nobody's forcing them to sell it. Nobody's forcing them to break the law. But, you know, this is a setup from day one. Um. I, I, we keep going down this, but I'm gonna. We, well, let's I guess, go down it. Yeah, no, we, this is the conversation. You know, I guess we got to set it up. Though, yeah, you know, uh, it was also it was also price contingent. There's been cocaine in what in, in it was all in uh, entertainment business in the music in music business. It was heavy. Cocaine had been there for for years before it became crack. How, how did they figure out how to make something cheap that the average that the, that the, anybody could afford it? And how did that funnel its way into the black community in, in such a large, a mass amount? It, it, it is predetermined. Like you said, it didn't get there by accident. It, it, we're not talking about something that someone was making at that time, $30,000, probably 30, $30 to $40,000 is a pretty decent salary for family. Uh, we're talking about, uh, so... If you're spending, uh, which was $120 a gram at that time for Coke, uh, the average person in a poor family ain't going to be able to handle it. But you can get high, and it's only $5. It's, some things are made to happen for a reason. There's a reason that that was an economic value. Uh, it, it was economically priced, and it was to get poor people addicted. And it was also to get... And what community, though, did it go into? There's some things that are obvious that some people should ask questions about, but we never do. Right. You know, I, I you know, it, it, the one thing they, they talked about, again, was the busing situation. And they had showed footage and, you know, black and white photos where it was like, as the school buses would ride through the white neighborhoods to bring the black kids to their schools, Broken windows, rocks, bottles being thrown at the children in the bus. And they show, and I forget the one lady said, uh, she, whenever they would get to certain sections of the white neighborhoods, she would say, get down, automatically, because they knew what was coming. And the kids would have to hide and duck down in the seats so that they weren't seen. Because once the white people saw the black faces, that's when the rocks and the bottles started getting thrown. And so they, they cut to, again, photos of broken windows, kids with bruises and blood on their face. What kind of fucking animal do you have to be to attack children? What kind of parent? What kind of human raises kids and still can attack another kid? But most of the, well, okay, yeah. But, but I'm, yeah, because the people throwing the rocks and bottles weren't children. No, they were, were adults. adults. And that's why I'm sitting here going, again, I, 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 you know, even though I didn't experience it, even though it wasn't me, it's still my people. It's my tribe. How could I not feel a certain way? How could you not be angry? These are fucking kids. So that's why when I, when, when I see that lady go, the fucking animals and the fucking niggas and the animals and they run wild, you're throwing bottles and rocks at kids. How do you have the audacity to act like what you're doing is okay. Let me ask you this though, because I want you to, I want to know. Now, first of all, I mean, just understand this. So, black kids were being bused to white schools. White kids are being bused to black schools, then too, right? No, 
No, no black kids, no, no white kids are going to black no, schools. No, because the whole point of the busing was because to integrate. No, no, not just to integrate. Better education. Okay. Better books. Better equipment. Why? Why can't we? Why couldn't money just be spent uh, equally? Why couldn't we have? Why is that I, a serious question? I know. I know. It's, I know you know it, the answer. It's an ero- it, it, It's not rhetorical. Rhetorical. But let me ask. But let me ask you this: Would you want to be one of the black kids that's bus to a white school? You, not if I don't have to be. No, and that's what I'm saying because you lose. I mean, where, what I want to try to understand is this, and and I'm, I'm I'm being very honest when I say I don't know the answer to this, and I'm asking the question so people can write in and explain it to me if they have a better answer for me. But to be removed from your friends, I mean, people don't move sometimes from a, a home. Like a parent will say, "Well, we're not going to move. That we'll move next year because this is so and so senior year. We don't want right. to move him out of the school with his friends and with the how how." You, you remove from your friends and now you're put into a hostile environment. And just because they have better learning tools at the school, how, how do you take advantage of that when you feel under duress and attack the whole time? So my question is, how did they, how was that assumption that it was better? And would you want to be put in that position? Now, if they're going to move uh, kids, uh, wouldn't it be easier to bring the standards up at all the schools? Absolutely. And safer. For everyone. Right. But again, we know the reason for that. Let me ask you this. Let's say there wasn't a racial element to that at all. And things were fun and even and fair and harmonious. Would you have a problem being bust then? Yeah, because you're still with your friends, aren't you? You still right. have your social uh, uh, group that you want to hang out with. You have the things that you do culturally. I, I, you, you don't know, think it's better to be integrated culturally? Culturally, I think it is better to be integrated. But here's my here's my question. She was supposed to say no to that. No, <laughs> that would have been funny. No, but but my my is it that what you go to? And I'm I'm only speaking from my perspective. I'm not trying to say that this. But isn't it when you go to college or you go to the army, you go to a, I mean a, a a branch of the military, it, it, when you start meeting other cultures. Uh, Hopefully you meet them before. I'm not saying that it is, but if you haven't been integrated with other people, you haven't been mixed together. Isn't aren't those where you you have established a little bit of who you are as a person, and then you move on into these other areas where you uh, meet different people? Because I always thought that that's what uh, when I went to college, I met people from other places, other cultures, other ideas, other countries. Uh, it was an, it was open. Uh, I, I understand in high school, but as you're developing who you are, don't you want it to be in a comfortable environment? And I guess the other question is, how comfortable are the are are the bad environments? And when I say bad environments, I'm not talking about any race. I'm talking about if you grow up in a in an impoverished place, your environment's not going to be great. Um, but your home structure is different. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, as a parent, you want the best for your kid. Uh, and you know, times today, you you let the, you let the internet tell you, or any anybody with money and an entrepreneur and any kind of stature tell you, school's bullshit, because all it does is train you to be a robot. And and but back in those days, school was everything. So if you want your the best for your child, you have to ask yourself: Is putting their safety uh, in jeopardy worth an education for a better life. And apparently, those parents thought, yes. 
You know, I want the best for my child. I want them to do better than I did. So I'm going to risk their safety for the bigger picture, which is a better life. That's that's a fucked up situation to have to be in. Yeah. As a parent. As a parent, as as the student, as the person's going. Because if you, how do you, uh, how do you, I, I went to a school, I, I went to a school and I didn't get along with a lot of the people at the school because when we went to junior high, we, we merged with different uh, elementary schools. And, uh, I there was it was rough, it was a rough uh, junior high, and uh, my parents were like, I don't like this school. We don't like what's going on. There has been reports of that this what the school was. And my parents moved to a different school. We had we were in a position that they were able to move to a different school district. I was I was fortunate for that. My parents were not wealthy. Uh, they they were just able to make this decision because they knew it was best for their kids. So yes, you want to do the best for your kid. Um, The environment, like I, I was, I can't, I couldn't imagine if that school, I just, I don't understand mo- moving unless it's going to, I, I the parents looking at it, it's going to, it's going to better his, him as uh, intellectually. Yeah. But emotionally, I, they moved me not because it was a better school for, for learning, but for growing up with around uh, people that were better people that weren't, uh, weren't endangering me as, as, as a kid. So I, th- I, th- I think that has to be considered too, but how do you make that? I don't know how you make that choice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I, if that washcloth, maybe if I would have got to a different school, maybe I'd be using the washcloth. <laughs> if you were shipped around a black school, you definitely would have been using a washcloth. Um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting at this time to possibly get a caller on the line uh, who's from Boston to give us a sense of what the mood and the temperature was at that time. Uh, So we're going to go to a caller uh, right now. Uh, uh, Caller, are you there? Damn fucking here, kid. It's it's fucking wicked. Um, Sir, can you let us know uh, what exactly at that time uh, Boston was like and where were you when you heard the news uh, about this tragic event. Hey, I remember it was fucking 1989, kid. I was in my apartment, and I was watching the fucking Patriots at the time play football. They interrupted the football game. And at that time, the quarterback was Steve Grogan. This is pre-Tom fucking Brady, who, by the way, is the greatest, purest Anglo-Saxon, cleft-chin, pure-jawed white man God ever produced. He's fucking wicked, kid. And I've been following Tom since his days at University of Michigan. As a matter of fact, I even got a picture of Tom Brady on my fridge. And whenever I get drunk, I would stand five feet from my fridge. I would beat my cock and I would try to shoot my load right on the dimple of his cleft chin. Okay, sir, we, we, we really want to try to stay on topic. Uh, uh, can you let us know what race relations was like in that era? Well, you know, no pure white person from South Dakota or North End would ever be seen in fucking Roxbury. I mean, that's dangerous. That's basically like going to the zoo and all the fucking monkeys are out of their cages. You had the chimpanzees over here. You had the orangutans over there. You had the silverback apes over there. And you just had the monkeys fucking everywhere, kid. Fucking dangerous. Okay, sir. Uh, and as far as this, this case, uh, when it was said that Charles Stewart claimed that a black man shot and killed his pregnant wife and then shot him... Did any white person in Boston ever ever entertain the idea that it could have been Charles Stewart himself? Why? I mean, come on. Why would he kill his wife? She's white. She's pure. 
She's pregnant. She's female. And she was fucking to die for. What would she have to die for? All right, sir. And, and last question. When you found out that the man accused of this crime was William Bennett, a black guy, what was the move? What were the thoughts in Boston at the time? You know, I got to tell you, long before the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, we actually called this guy the Dark Knight. Really? Why the Dark Knight? Fucking simple. It was a docky, and the crime happened at night. All right, sir, thank you for your time. No problem. Sir, uh, we didn't catch your name. What are you, who are you? Oh, the name's Bobby Patterson, by the way. So Bobby Patterson was all for this. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a question that you asked in this. When you wish at the very beginning of this, are you? I, I want. I don't want to get out of, out of your notes, but where where is the phone call going? Have we got to the phone call yet? Well, no, but okay, I, okay. I'm, 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 I got one more note, okay, go which is kind of might lead into that uh, from the first episode. Um, and it was interesting. We're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So as Andy and I were uh, being driven to uh, last night's show, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit. And he had mentioned something that I thought was awesome. Um, but first of all, let me say this. There is a whole nother level of sinister evil when you can kill your pregnant wife and then pretend like you didn't and then have someone read a farewell letter at the funeral, which was very heartfelt and, you know, had, as the men said, wasn't a dry eye in the church. Like, like, what, who are you? Where you go, yo, I'm gonna shoot and kill my pregnant wife, then I'm gonna write a sweet goodbye letter. It's insane to think that he hadn't already planned. This is the better part of it, even to take it up another level. He already planned, he had to plan that letter out even before he shot her. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing obviously was yeah, planned. Yeah. So, but he had already considered writing the letter, how he was going to act. Right. He he planned it. This isn't this isn't like I'm driving down the street and this bitch just won't shut the fuck up. And I'm gonna kill her. This is this is uh, this is not a moment of passion of anger. Right. Of, this is a premeditated murder. Right. So all that's been thought about. You know, I I, I loved how they ended uh, the first episode. Well, they when the first episode ended, and then they show you the preview. Uh, to the second episode, they interviewed the one brother and he was like, look, man, to be in Boston at that time in terms of what race was, to shoot a pregnant white woman and then shoot the white man on top of that to, 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 to try to, you know, kill two white people, but you definitely killed the white pregnant woman. You either have to be the dumbest criminal in Boston the most unluckiest criminal in Boston, or this is bullshit. And it was like no black man with a half an ounce of intelligence would dare kill a white woman, a pregnant white woman at that, because they know the cops are going to invade the community, which they did. And even, and when we were talking about, the, this is the part I wanted to say that we were, when we were talking about. Is this the phone call? No, this is about when you go into prison, be yeah. in prison, wrongfully accused. Imagine if you're in prison, wrongfully accused, and they're telling you this crosses all lines. So even even the black prisoners. Yes, they mentioned that. 
are going to want to kill you because right. you fucked up everything. There's rules to this. Yeah. There was still rules in, in being a criminal. Right. Not only were the rules in it, but you're also fucking up families that are in the, that are living in Boston because of what you just did. And, and the guy's name, the, the first suspect whom they, whom, they, whom they arrested, his name was Alan Swanson. And they said, uh, they went to his house and they said, and, and, when, and when Charles Stewart was, was uh, put into the ambulance, he goes, a black guy shot and killed my wife and shot me and he had on a track suit. And again, the same brother that went, you either the dumbest, the unluckiest, or this is bullshit goes, then you got to remember, this is the 1980s. Every nigga had a track suit. An Adidas track suit. And you know, I would say most of that credit goes to Run DMC. Run DMC was the shit in the 80s. So, shell toe Adidas, track suits, LL Cool J, Kangles, that was the look. Rope chains, four finger rings. That was the look, the official black look. So it's like, okay, dude had a tracksuit in the sink. He was soaking a tracksuit. So again, that could be any one of us. That that's that's your key evidence. Um, but he but but the guy made the point, which what, what, what you said when he goes, yo, it, it, Alan Swanson was scared to death to go to prison because if he is convicted or accused of killing a pregnant white woman. Even the black people going to fuck you up because you killed a pregnant woman. But not only did you kill a pregnant woman, but now you also, you fucked up the whole community because now black people are being hunted again. Right. Not, not that they weren't ever not being hunted. Do you think that the, 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 and you know, I know some of the guards in prison had to be racist. Do you think that that makes them go, I'm going to be extra hard on some of these niggas now? Of course. Yeah. Because they want you to, this, this is the fucked up part. And I can't say that I know this. But there's a, people turn their back on things that they want to happen, whether they're right or wrong. You don't think that they're going to force if they want that guy dead. You don't think that they're going to be harder on people that they want them to react and get rid of the problem. We know that if this guy's no longer here, they're going to be easier on us. Mm. I mean, I'm I, I, I can't say that I know that for a fact, but people seem to disappear in prison all the time. That prisoners that the the the. the people running the prison don't want to have there it's a powerful statement when <laughs> and you know prison has always been to some degree uh segregated in regards to race Aryans over here brotherhood the muslims and over here and the gangs gangs, gangs and i'm just going dude that that's some serious shit when even throughout the prison system a pregnant woman takes precedent over race yeah and obviously that you know that those are guys going that could have been my mother my sister, my girl, carrying my baby. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I mean, I get it, but goddamn. Um, and I thought what was interesting, too, is when they were breaking this down, the black guy goes, uh, one of the brothers said in the, in the thing, you know, uh, how black folks would read in the paper the police report. And they pointed out, and they would say in the police report that, that a guy robbed some people with knives and got $25. And the guy reading the report would go, oh, nigga, that's Tony. And I used to do a bit where I would go, uh, certain crimes, based on what the crime is, you could tell what the race is. And I go, yeah, black men going around killing and pregnant white women and shooting a white couple, uh, that's some shit we don't do. Now, a black dude going to jail for 15 years for uh, killing the 7-Eleven clerk and punching a white bitch in the face for $10, uh, a pack of Newports, and a hairbrush, that's nigga shit. 
That's some shit niggas do. <laughs> no, I know you're shaking your head, but that's but nigga it, shit. Yeah, but is that is that is that the what was was that the joke? To a degree, I, yeah. I, I haven't done it in, in a gazillion okay. years. But but when I again you go, dude goes into a mall and shoots up fifty people. It's a white guy, but you know, nigga hit an old lady over the head for ten dollars in a purse and get fifteen years. That's nigga shit. We 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 do we do we do petty shit like that and get a lot of time. Um, so you know, again, it's it just even black people in the community knowing how crazy this story is. Yeah, how detrimental this would be to the community because essentially the cops become terrorists. Well, because they said we want answers, we want answers now. We need the person picked up. They sent out in full force through the black community, uh, uh, almost uh, if a police is a military force. Which it technically isn't, but like that, yeah. They were go. They were down every block, every alley, looking right. for this person. And when you talk about Swanson, is, is Swanson the uh, Alan Swanson? Is he the one? Yeah, he's the one that had the tra- tracksuit in his house. Yeah, soaking. in the sink. Yeah. How? how <laughs> what you know? Just sometimes life just just fucking fucks you. I mean, you have everybody. You're a black dude. You have the tracksuit. Okay, 90, you, you say 90% of the black men at that time right. have that going on at the time. But then to have it soaking in the sink like you're trying to clean it off. Not Cause, saying they're going to wash machines. Not saying no, but but that's when they come into your house. Oh, the timing. The timing. Right. You, you, like you're trying to, right. Yeah, there's right. only so many people that had that tracksuit <laughs> right. in their house in the sink at the time right. when the police bust through the door. Right. So, I mean, just to be that guy, you're like, I was just washing my fucking my, my fucking suit. My, right. my and that's and now now you're being arrested for that. That's your that's their that, that's their proof. Right. Um what were you gonna say about the phone call? You said when you As soon as I heard this, and this is the beginning basically of it, when when you hear the phone call going, it was like, that's bullshit. And you said What was it that made you think it was bullshit? Because he kept asking where are you? And he goes, I don't know. I was on the street. I was on. And then you can hear him kind of in pain. And you're like, oh, they're not going to find this dude. And then he yells out a street name. Because he has, to, he has to be realizing, you know, there's a chance I could bleed to death before these motherfuckers right, can find right, me. Right. I might have to crawl this car and roll down the street and knock on a door or something if right. this doesn't go, if they can't come find me. Because that, to me, as soon as I heard him say it, how do you not know? You're looking around, you're not, and, and you're in pain, and you're, and then all of a sudden, you you come up with the name of the street. You couldn't see it before, but suddenly you could see it. Well, that was like the female reporter who was asking, who was saying some of those same things. Like he's going, at no point did he ever say, "Help my wife." No, never. At no point he, he, he even he said to to the uh, to the to the dispatch, she's gurgling. At no point did you try to console, did he try to console her and say, hey, baby, hold on. You know, he started saying, I'm blanking out, I'm blanking out. And the dispatcher was going, don't blank out on me, man. Don't blank out on me. And she goes, "Uh, who says that? You know, there were things that he either said or did not say that was so suspect. But I I don't know how I would have reacted in that situation. All I knew is that if if you're hurt and you can't move, the, the street sign didn't suddenly appear in front of you. And that to me, and his voice changed when he did that. He just, sh- oh, he doesn't say it. There's some other conversation, then he shouts it out like, right, trans. 
And I was like, that, that isn't right. That, that from right there was the moment where I went, my, I go, and I don't know what this is. We know it's a murder in Boston. I don't know that it's him at this point. Right. And I go, he did it. And I knew it. And I knew it from that moment. Uh, yeah, you're right though. Uh, I could understand though, like if you're shot and you think you're going to die, yeah, you want to comfort your wife, but you're on the phone, you're trying to save her, and then you hear her gurgling. But I would have thought you would have went. And I didn't even think this at the time, but yeah, it does make sense. You would right. go, oh my God, she's gurgling. She's not going to make it. And then you would say something like, baby, hold on. Yeah, right, right, right. But like you said, he's not saying it. But I also think, okay, when you're in that situation, you're trying to save everyone. So maybe you're just focused on that phone. That's how I looked at it. But to say, Trima, how did you, what, would you suddenly just get the energy to turn around and look behind you or... How did you know where you were all of a sudden? Dude, listen, I ain't never been shot, but I could imagine that something so painful that's happening to your body that's putting you in some sort of state of shock. And between that and the panicking, there's got to be a natural panicking going on when you go, your adrenaline, I just shot and killed my pregnant wife. So between the and then you shoot yourself between, which to me is a whole nother other thing, but the, between the pain of the gunshot, the, the panicking of the moment, the adrenaline of what you've done, whatever's going through your head in terms of, I don't want this to get caught. I thought this through. I hope it works. I don't see how you could be coordinated enough and collected enough to get anything right. Yeah, well... He didn't get it all right. Obviously, some people saw through it. The other people, the the the, uh, the first detectives on this case, didn't believe him. They talk about that that they're he's, they're standing in his room watching him, knowing that they want to question him. And uh, but everybody's on their side because the white guy said it, and it has to be true. Dude, you gotta be like like like. First of all, I and I guess if you have the ability to go, this woman who I once loved, who loved me who still loves me because she, if she, if she didn't, she would ask for a divorce and wouldn't have wanted to be with him. So until she would, would not, would not suspecting anything at all, she believes she's in a loving marriage. So for you to just go, this woman who clearly loves me, who I once loved, who's carrying my unborn child. If you have the ability to murder this person, then maybe, yeah, you, you shooting yourself is nothing, but I would think, That'd be hard, dude. Like, like, okay, I killed this bitch. Now it's my turn to go through with my plan where I shoot myself. You actually have the balls to go through with that. Well, first of all, he never loved her. I mean, you might, he might have thought he loved her, but when you're a narcissist to that level, you only love yourself because there's no way that you're killing some, someone with your kid that you love, love. You love yourself so much that this is not what you want and you want out of it, but you don't know how to get out of it. And you can't have anybody think that you're the bad guy that you want a divorce, that you want this, because then you have to deal with that. So you've come down to the determination that the best way to get rid of her is to shoot her and then shoot yourself. This is how much... Now, now I'm just saying this, and I'm not trying to be... I'm, it's going to sound like I'm being flippant and trying to be funny about it. I'm not. This is how much you want out of this relationship. You want her out of your life so much that not only are you willing to kill her, which doesn't hurt you, because emotionally you're defunct. That person's a defunct person. But you have to shoot yourself. that's the that's the thing that you have to decide i'm gonna take and you don't know what you're gonna hit you think you do right that's what i'm saying but at the moment you shoot you don't think you flinch or that you move or you you could hit your spine and leave yourself paralyzed or or, or you don't think you don't think at any point he he didn't entertain the idea 
I don't have the guts to shoot myself. So let me just go with the story. We got carjacked. The nigga shot and killed my pregnant wife. And then he fleed, but didn't shoot me. That, that makes him look like really suspect now, right? He's got to shoot himself well, to make it believable. Shooting himself is what sold it. That's what sold. That's it. what. That's a better word to sell it. Yeah, he had to. Say, he had to sell it to everybody so that they would all go. Nope, he it was he. But also now this is how this is where that you understand where you're living. He knew that being a white guy with his pregnant white wife, and as he's making this up, and I say he probably had that letter already written in his head how he was going to do it. What do I have to do to get rid? I have to go to a black neighborhood and I have to say a black man shot me. Once I do that. I, I, I've sold it because that's the temperature of the city that as a, as, as a guy, you know, that if I say this, this is the reaction. So as we go through this and unwind this whole story that we're, we're talking about, and we talk about the temperature of Boston, it is so well known that this man knew that that's all he had to do to, to divert the people away from him. If the temperature in Boston racially is what, they say it was, well, then why wouldn't they just believe that a black guy shot and killed his wife and just left the car and left him alive? Why not go with that? If the racism is stewed to a perfection that of that serious and it's about disbelieve the white guy, well, then fuck it. Put it to the ultimate test. Don't shoot yourself. Just say a black dude shot and killed your wife and then ran out the car and leave yourself unharmed. If he would have said, and, I, and I'm not sure, I'm just saying, if he would have said... We did everything he said, and as he was getting out of the car, he he he, he hit his he hit his hand, and it, the gun went off and shot my wife. I I but then he would have had a, then now you have to call in, you have to make sure that you wait you have to wait till she's gurgling because you want to make sure she's dead because you don't want her saying that what happened. Right. Uh, it changes the scenario. He probably could have. He could have. I'm not saying that wouldn't have worked. But the question then would have been is why did he leave you? Why didn't he shoot after you shot her? Why didn't he shoot you? Well. Because he was already out of the car, and he, he. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I honestly, I think I you're right that it. he could he would have stood a better chance of getting away with it if he did what you just said. Because I'm telling you, man. First of all, who likes pain? Um, and and what you said that 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 would have been the thing that would have really been racing through my mind. Like it ain't like you an expert. There are people who are experts with guns and wounds and know what parts of the body to hit. But if that's not you. You know how terrified I would be to go, yo, I'm about to experience the pain of a bullet entering my flesh at point blank range. I don't know what I'm doing. What if I hit a vital organ? What if something goes wrong? I wouldn't have the balls to do that, yo. What if this woman was such a horrible person? <laughs> I'm just saying, let's just, just listen, listen, I'm not trying to make mockery out of this, but just that it was, she was such a horrible person that he didn't want to be with her, that he took his gun out said, this is how much I don't want to be with you. Shot himself to get the pain so that he could shoot her and kill her. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't understand how you could do it. I don't understand how you could do it any other way. Uh, I don't understand how you could actually be with anyone. And, and, and listen, no matter what kind of narcissist you are, that's a kid, that's, you, that's her, your kid. Dude, in there. Is, is it really... Cause I'm just thinking when people go, Hey man, just break up, just leave. You can't just, but my thing is 
was he worried that in a divorce he, she was going to leave him broke? Like, what is it that's making you go, I can't, I, just walk away. He's a narcissist that he's made everybody believe that he's a wonderful person and he cannot walk away and let everybody know that he's not the person everybody thought he was. That's That's, that's, that's the only thing that can oh, describe what, what he's going through. He has to believe that, that if he does this, that everyone will see who he really is. And he doesn't want that. He wants everybody to believe he was amazing. And if you get rid of her this way, now everybody is going to really care about you, love you even more, be more like want to be there for you. It changes his whole, it, 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 it elevates him. If he gets a divorce, it, 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 uh, what's, if you're not elevated, you're what? Oh, de-elevated? I don't think that's the right word. But you're lowered. Right. That's what would happen. His place in the community, his standing, all that would change. He this Oof. elevates him. I'm telling you, this is there are people out there that think this way, and this is the people that are the scariest people in the world. That's why there's narcissism can lead to this to to very detrimental places in life. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself, but at the expense of all others, that's where uh, it becomes a, a huge problem, as as we're seeing in this doc. Yeah, the one reporter, the female reporter, was like. And what also didn't make sense is, you know, this dude, Charles Stewart, you're like six foot something, 250 pounds. Your wife is 102 pounds soaking wet and pregnant. Why wouldn't the guy shoot you first? You're the threat. She's not the threat. Well, see, that's why I'm saying, like, what you said isn't the worst, is the better idea. He got got in the back seat. He, He said, drive. He put the gun to my wife's head. And then it's like the Pulp Fiction moment. You go over a bump, the gun goes off, he kills her, he shoot. But see, this guy, in order for this to happen and to make it believable, he would have to get in the back seat, say, honey, I got it. I dropped something in the back, let me go get it. Go out, shoot her in the back of the head. Then he would have to, maybe, I would fire, I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking I'm doing this. But no, but then, you know, maybe. Fire a couple of shots shots, through the window or something. From behind, like the gun went off, then he tried to shoot me and make it look like, you know, you ducked. Because then he did say you ducked. And then you jump back in the car, you drive to wherever you're going, you call him up. I think think he gets away with it then. I think he gets away with it because he doesn't have to put on. Did you you see the person? I really never saw the person. I never saw the person. Yeah, no, but listen, I, I agree with you. I think to sell it, sell it, he had to do that. But I'm just saying that if racism was what it was, th- as it was described, why not put it to the ultimate test? Who who was the basketball player that went to Boston in the night? D Brown was it? D Brown, the uh, one that did the uh, pumped up his his shoes in the dunk contest. And I think it was D Brown. Yeah. yeah, he went to Boston, and he his first day, I guess, in Boston was driving his Mercedes and was pulled over and arrested by the police because that couldn't be his car. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's Boston. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Put it to the test. If if it's all about racism at its highest level, why wouldn't they believe you? He You're was, white. He was trying to. He he was trying to sell it. He was because he was to trying to say, "There's no way I could have done this." Because I, you know, how could? Because you're saying it. You're making the argument for it too, though. You, you got to shoot yourself. Can you do that? Can you do that? Oof. That, but I'm telling you, this is narcissism. This is where you do not want to lower lower your standing in the community. You want to this elevates your standing in the community. Right. Uh, two more notes. Um, and this and this this was this 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 was more towards the second episode when uh, the one the one dude I should have wrote his name down, but basically uh, Willie Bennett's nephew uh, 
And Willie Bennett, you know, he this was no by any means a guy with a clean record. He had threatened cops before and with guns in terms of, hey, if you guys take me, I'm not going out alive. Known through the neighborhood. Known through the neighborhood. He was, you know, he was a badass. And so his nephew basically ran his mouth to his friend, hinting that, hey, yeah, my, my uncle did this when he didn't. And then word got around and got around and got around and, and, and to one of the kids' mothers who was dating a black cop. So in order for him to get his stripes up, he goes to his department and goes, yo, I got the dude that did this. And basically they, I think it was a Detective O'Malley, rounded up one of the black kids and forced him to give this interview. Didn't read him his rights, a minor, no mother, no parent, no parent present, no, no lawyer, and coerced him into giving this confession that, yeah, Willie Bennett told me he did it. And he didn't. And this again is where the anger stems from. To take a, a child who is terrified on the, on the south end of Boston in a police in a police station surrounded by white cops and he said there was some some threats made some physical you know uh pushing and put and pulling and they roughed him up a little bit they 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 forced him into this lie that got Willie Bennett arrested for this crime he didn't commit and i just again imagine being a kid around nothing but authority figures white cops guns badges don't Evil just say white cops black cops are in there too so you have you not only do you have the the whole thing that you're saying right now, but then you have people that look like you telling you that this okay. is the right thing to do. Keep going. Okay, okay. I, I don't know how much I, that I don't, I don't, I don't know either, but that that doesn't help. That doesn't. No, no, help. no. It doesn't help. Um, yeah, and, and I'm just saying that this treatment of how we are how we are treated, how we are dealt with, uh, where there's no rules, there's no laws. There's just mayhem. They come into the community, they terrorize, and they do all this shit. And it just, again, how could you not get in your feelings a little bit? Okay, but here's the, here's the other thing that happens. And this is, uh, you know, take this for what it's worth, and it's not worth anything. It's truly not worth anything. But think about the television and the movies at the time. The police are fighting crime, but they can't beat the cops because the laws are on the criminal side. Do you remember hearing that yeah, at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then you see movies where, like, you know the guy did it, and so the cop is punching the dude in the face. Tell me what happened, and punching him in the face. Tell me what happened. Right. And everybody's doing what in the theater? They're cheering. Right. We set ourselves up to go down this road. Now, does it mean that, uh, that I'm not justifying it? I'm just saying that the, you got to take the temperature of the time, and that's what was happening on television shows, on movies. Uh, go back and watch all these. But, old... the, but the temperature of the time is always with us. That that temperature yeah, has always, always been, been there with us. But now it's 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 prevalent. Now this is what you do. This is how it's done. And when you have listen, I'm not saying that you can't make a movie like Dirty Harry, but when you make a movie like Dirty Harry and you don't hold your departments accountable to not be dirty Harry's. This is a problem. That guy, we saw him. He's still an older guy. Who is he playing right there when you see him talking to the camera? Yeah, well, we, we did rough you, him you, up. You, you're talking about uh, uh, Billy Dunn. Yeah. The, the, the big white cop who was known as the racist enforcer. It's, who I really call an overseer. Is, isn't that what he... Is, but isn't that 
isn't he playing the part of a of a dirty Harry of a of a the tough yeah, guy? Yeah, admittedly so he said. So, okay, so this is what we've set up people to be because we're, we're 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 selling something. Who's selling this? Why are we selling this story? You know what's crazy to me is when they're interviewing Billy Dunn, who obviously is much older. The fact that he now, at his older age, knows this was bullshit. He knew the outcome. And at no point during your interview, now, do you seem remorseful? Do you apologize? Do you take any responsibility or accountability for how you made those communities feel? He almost seems joyous. I don't. I didn't get the sense he felt joyish about his joyous. reputation, about who he was. He feels, unapologetic, unapologetic, but joy. Like I was that guy. I am. You know, I am. I, I was the badass. This was my job. There's a little bit of joy in that. That he. That's he, crazy. That he's still known for that today. I would think he would. He would go. No, I'm gonna decline to be in this documentary because I know I was a piece of shit. Or come out and go. Listen, this was the time, and I was doing what I thought was right. And looking back on it, I can say maybe, you know, I, not even a maybe. I would have even loved to have seen that, but nothing. Nothing. He's still that guy. That's why. Thank God he's retired. But, mm. but if your legacy isn't retired, your legacy continues. And, and again, you take it, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying anything about it. Dirty Harry's a movie and it's a character and this is an idea. That was an idea. An idea that the good, the, the good guy wins is what the idea was. But the good guy had to be bad to be good. But you can't take that and put that into uh, reality. It's That's why it's a movie. But these guys, I'm telling you, some of these guys became the movie. That's one of them. A lot of these guys are the movie. I'm, I, I'm saying that's one of them. Right, right. That's all I got, man. Uh, uh, we still got another whole part. Part three, the last part. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's good. I like talking about him when it's like this, and then we don't talk about the third part to give everybody a chance to watch it before Aries gives you (laughs) every detail about it. But check it out if you can. It's it's a good one. I mean, it really is good. There's also some... uh, other uh, other pieces that you can find about this is online. You can read about it. it. It's worth knowing a little bit about because it really does give you the temperature of what Boston was. And what this should lead to is other conversation is we talk about the South as being the most, some of the most racist places in America. And, it, and, it, and you could definitely say that it was. But then and the North likes to be that we were against slavery. And we didn't liberal have slavery. And- and, yeah. But they were great with blacks being free as long as they didn't move north. Right. So right. that's right. but so let's be honest about the conversation. So this goes into a deeper conversation. Chicago has always been uh thought of as one of the more liberal cities, but was heavily racist. Uh almost as much as Boston. There, there's always an area an area of a faction of people that want that actually put their money where their mouth is. They say that they want freedom for all people and that they believed in it. and there was people in Chicago uh, obviously, they couldn't do an underground railroad without it, right? So those people did want it, but then the the neighbors, as the black community grows, they're like, "Yeah, we want it, but it'd be nice if you just kept it over there." Right. <laughs> That's what we right. want. We didn't want it here. Right. We wanted it there. Yeah. And I think that this is where where what America still deals with today. Yeah, watch it, folks. It's again, it's a great watch. 
the final episode. What's today? Uh, well, when you hear this, the final episode will have already aired. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this past Monday. This is today is uh, the sixteenth, so it's coming out when? Uh, it comes out on the eighteenth. Yeah. So you guys are hearing this on the twentieth. Yeah, go back if you haven't seen it. Check it out before Aries. Listen, I was I was upset because I when I originally saw the the preview for this, I thought it was a one and done. Uh, turns out it it's a series, and I was pissed because I'm telling you the way they end each episode. Ah! It, yeah, I want the next one. It's Fonzie jumping over the uh, the shark. Yeah, but that was that was that was considered when they say you jump in the shark. Yeah, that's what like it you is. sold out. Yeah, but that's what. It, no, I'm just saying it's it's Fonzie. So where you go? Does he make it? Like every, oh, right, every, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, right, it, it, right. it's it's negatively. It's looked yes. at negatively today because that's yes. the moment everybody does bullshit. But no, but this one they stop it at every cliffhanger. Oh it's, God! It's, so uh, they make you come back. Yeah, but check it out. I think it's it's really worthwhile. Uh, we got to give you uh, some uh, the new dates. Let me pull this thing up here. Yeah, and if you want to write into the podcast, Ari Spears forty five at Hotmail. Uh, when you go to Spearsburg Pod, hit like and subscribe. Right? Yeah, is that the thing? Yeah, Spears. When you're li- you're looking at this right now, there should be a su- there should be just a button you click for to subscribe. It's very easy. We're not asking for much. We're not it doesn't even cost you anything. Yeah, just hit like and subscribe. Cost us. But <laughs> let's see. Uh, we may have uh, new sponsors coming soon, too. May. Fingers crossed. Uh, let's see. Routing. Here we go. The new routing. The new routing. All right. So I might as well finish this up. So you listen to this on the 20th. So on the 21st, Aries is going to be at Bricktown Comedy Club, the 21st to the 23rd in OKC. December 28th to the 30th, Ayers and I are going to be at the Improv in Washington, D.C. Very much looking forward to that back in D.C. It's been a while. Guys, please come on out. Support. Uh, I know it's the day, uh, it's the weekend before New Year's. It doesn't make a difference. You're going to come. You're going to enjoy. Uh, January 4th to the 7th, we're back. Helium, Indianapolis, in Indiana. Man, I'm excited to be back out there. Oh, you know, I can't wait to go back, back out there because you know what we're going to eat, right? Right next Remember? door. Yeah, the, the the I forgot the name. Uh Who's the quarterback that was the big deal? Peyton. Peyton yeah, Manning. Peyton Manning right? Yeah, his, his favorite. I don't know if it's his. It's, yeah, it's not his. It's his favorite steakhouse. Steakhouse. Remember the shrimps with the fucking, what is that? That horseradish? Open your whole brain cavity. No, if you're not prepared for oh! that, you're going you're gonna to get a little surprised. Uh, January 11th through the 14th, back in Texas. We're in Addison at the Improv. Uh, January 18th through the 21st. In Magoobie's Joke House in Timonium, Maryland. We're back out there. That's the Baltimore area for you guys who don't know the Timonium. I, I know the people in and out there know it, but uh, just for the rest of you, I want you to know where it's at. Uh, looking forward to being back out there. February 15th through the 18th. I love this club. Helium Buffalo. We're back in Buffalo, New York. Um, I, I, I love it out there, and it's going to be cold as fuck. Yeah, I do like that club, but God damn it, boy, that winter. Yeah. February 23rd to the 24th, we're going to be at the uh, Albany Funny Bone. And, and some of these might be adjusted because of the dates that we just got. Uh, that's as far as I'm going to go because I know there might be some adjustments because of the uh, the dates coming up in uh, Canada. So that's where I'll stop right there. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I when I was reading out those Canadian dates, um, I meant to point out uh, we got Cleveland back in the books. And Syracuse, New York. And Fort Lauderdale. Uh, so those are there. Let me see if I can pull those up real Come quick. Come on. I, I, I like to know that there's someone that cares 
whether I'm doing all right at the club. Andy, do you need anything? Ernest, do you need anything? Let me give you those dates. Uh, uh, Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Cleveland Improv. Uh, what date is Cleveland? August. Oh, let me, and I, I didn't give out that date. April 5th, Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, April 19th through the 21st, Cleveland Improv. And then April 13th through the 14th, Funny Bone in Syracuse. Oh, I know. There's a date that I want to give out that just because of this podcast we just did. Guys, uh, you know who would be better to do this? Uh, if Billy Patterson could mention May Oh, fucking kid. You got to be kidding me, kid. <laughs> fucking, uh, uh, where is it, kid? Get back to it. Uh, it's like the fucking. Here it is, right? We'll be at the fucking well, but the other kid. There it is. Fucking, uh, dip, dip. All right. Uh, I see it May 11th yeah. at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. You gotta come fucking see it. It's gonna be fucking the dive. Fucking the, the, the kike and the nigga. They're gonna be there. It's gonna be fucking great. If you bring a yamaka and a bucket of chicken, you get in for half price. <laughs> Uh, it, it's, it's gotta be hilarity. It, the guys are fucking the diaper. I almost love these two queers, uh, as much as I love Tom fucking Brady. Uh, I, they, they, they're fucking the diaper. I love them. I love them both. Oh God. Catfish and good fish. It's a great combination, kid. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to, I want some matzo ball hot sauce. It's going to be fucking awesome, kid. Name's Bobby Patterson, by the way. <laughs> we got to do a promo for that doing Bobby Patterson. Yeah, no one's gonna run it, but it'll right. be funny. It's the fucking kike and a nigga tour, dude. That right now would it, it, it just be so funny? I would love for someone to complain about that though. It's 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 an it, the show. They're both doing forty five minutes a piece, <laughs> and they're both talk. It's the whole forty five minutes is who had it worse, the Jews or the blacks? <laughs> it's it's slavery meets fucking the Holocaust. It's gonna be a great. It's hilarity. What's not to laugh at? What do you feel about black Jews? Do you worry about them? Did, it, wouldn't that be the... Eh, that's the ultimate curse. Big dicks and noses. <laughs> Jesus Christ, kid. With two fucking Hasidic curls. It's like, Jesus. The hair doesn't stop. There's no way you could swim at all if you have a big nose. And, and a, a big, big dick. dick. <laughs> yeah, or, well, no, maybe, you, maybe you just float like a fucking cruise liner <laughs> ship. There's something about the balance that keeps you above the waters. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this show. I'm going to probably watch it in my apartment. I love it. I fucking love it. Tis the fucking season, folks. Tom Brady. Fucking Hanukkah and fucking Kwanzaa. Who'd have thought it? Love it. Matzo bread banana pudding. <laughs> I'm trying to think if you can make some of these things. You could. I think you could. Yeah, you could. You could I you think definitely you could. could. It's a fucking banana pudding with a matzo ball in the middle. You don't even have to put the matzo ball. You could use this matzo and you put that on, uh, on it. See, mm -hmm. this is what you get when you get with a Jew. Ideas. <laughs> <laughs> with niggas, you get problems. With the kikes, you get fucking ideas. <laughs> All right. I think that's a show. That's a show. Yeah.
here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. <laughs> you guys got fat while everybody stopped on the street. It's my turn. Hmm. You think you're going to live long enough to spend that money, you fucking hump? If any of you are tired of getting ripped off by guys like that, you come with me. I'm at the Plaza Hotel. You're welcome. You're welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> 